What a song. Huh? Oof. My Adonai. Praise God. If uh, I look to you hyper this morning, I... Uh, <laughs> hyper? Uh, I have eaten two pieces of this cake. It, <laughs> the sugar is good. <laughs> I have indulged and sinned. I've sinned. Lord, forgive me. Uh, let's open our Bibles this morning. It's good to be here and to see you all. To the Gospel of John and chapter 9. Gospel of John, chapter 9. Actually, I am not going to read all the chapter. I'm going to read only about 12 verses from 1 through 12. And as he passed, Jesus Christ, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born blind? Jesus answered, It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was in order that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me. As long as it is day, night is coming when no man can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and applied the clay to his eyes and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Silwam, which is translated scent. And so he went away and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors, therefore, and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, Is not this the one who used to sit and beg? Others were saying, This, he, this is he. Still others were saying, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the one. Therefore, they were saying to him, How often were your eyes opened? He answered, The man who is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Silwam and wash. So I went and washed, and I received my sight. And they said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. May God bless his word. I hope through this message, through the next 30 minutes or so, we will realize that we were once blind, but now we can see. And I hope those who are still not seeing properly or clearly, that is, they are still blind, they will leave this place seeing clearly and praising the God, as this, our God, as this man did. The healing of the man born blind is a type of an illustration of how Christ, our Lord and Savior, the light of the world, communicates light to other people. And to those who follow him, can walk no more in darkness, 
but has the light of their life. The healing was not only a sample of Jesus' ability to restore sight to a man who was born blind, but it also shows by experience the beginning of a spiritual life that only God himself is able to give. We have the light entering a darkened heart this morning in order to give the knowledge of the grace of God. We read in chapter 9, verse 1, And as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. Evidently, the Lord stopped and with his usual compassion, he spat on the ground, as we read, made clay of the spittle, and applied the clay to the man's eyes, and said to the man, Go wash in the pool of Silwam. And so he went away and washed, and he came back seeing. I want you to look with me to some characters this morning, those people who were around the blind man. And then we will look at the transformation of that man who was blind. One, let's look at the disciples for a moment. To the disciples, he was a subject for theological analysis. Did you ever think of that? They debated the subject by asking the master, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born blind? The question recognized the miserable condition that this man was in and showed that the disciples were focusing on the affliction that the man was afflicted with instead of his state being a blind completely without eyes because he was born without any sight at all from birth. And they were seeking an answer. They were more occupied with solving their question. Answer us. Because we are really perplexed at this situation. They were thinking of themselves. And not thinking of that individual who was hopeless, who was in darkness, who was blind, and who could not see. In short, they regarded the man as a sinner who was less important than the debate they were having. Please enlighten us. This is the disciples. They were not yet matured there. We have another bunch of people standing there, the neighbors. They characterize the man as what? The beggar. Are you with me this morning? As the beggar. In verse 8, they said, The neighbors, therefore, and those who previously saw him as a beggar, isn't this the one who used to sit and beg? They... he. This is the beggar. He has been dependent on their generosity for his support. He couldn't work. He couldn't do anything. There were no rehabilitation for blind people at that time. Uh, no uh, a place for them to go except sit at the uh, street or a corner and ask for alms from people passing by day and night. They had probably, these neighbors had no hard feelings for him. They had 
feelings of pity, most probably. Okay? They regarded him uh, more or less as a nuisance. He's a nuisance to our society, to our neighborhood, to our community. He was unproductive. And he contributes nothing to the neighborhood. Do you see how they looked at him? We can say the neighbors were not unkindly to him, but they were indifferent. I mean, leave him alone. He's a beggar. And day and night, he is asking. So we have, first of all, the disciples considered him as a sinner. The neighbors as a beggar. How about the Pharisees who are standing there? This is the other type of people who are standing. To the Pharisees, this man was only a tool. A tool. They showed the slightest interest in the blind man. They were not eager to know about him anymore. They, uh, uh, they were thinking of one important thing. Since the healing of this man was done on a Sabbath, they were all concerned and were very busy thinking about this man healed him on the Sabbath. He broke, broke the law and then they were looking for some kind of to incriminate Jesus Christ. Let's trap him. So we use this man to trap the Lord Jesus Christ. But when they found out that this man did not cooperate with them, did not listen to what they said, he was so happy receiving his eyesight. Well, you know what they did to this man? We're going to cover it later. They excommunicated him and they threw him out. So these are the three types of people when this miracle happened. They were around him. Then comes the one, the Lord Jesus Christ. In contrast to all, to these three attitudes which men showed and still show today toward sufferings when they have no answer to their questions. Jesus viewed him differently. Though the disciple viewed him as a sinner, the neighbors as a beggar, and the Pharisees as a tool to incriminate Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus looked at him and saw a man that needs help. That's our Lord Jesus Christ. He has never come to a scene where help is needed and he did not give help to those who need it. This is our Lord Jesus Christ. He knows misery. And his explanation to the disciple, to the, especially those who are around him, was a, a great light to them and to their entire attitude. He said, to your question, I'm going to give you an answer. Neither this man sinned, nor his parents. So are you satisfied now? You, you want to say, well, show us his sin. He's a sinner. Neither. But it was in order that the works of God might be displayed in him. Verse 3 in your Bibles. He needed a cure. He needs relief. And I am here to give him that relief. The Lord could have debated the question with them. But he was answering in terms of fact rather than theory. This is no time to discuss these things. This is no time. I am looking to change this man, to change his life. 
instead of explaining to you the cause, or explaining to you why, this is no time. The man is screaming, is shouting, he needs help, and I am going to give him help. He is in a hopeless situation, and this is not the time for philosophical debate. And how many times, when a, per- a person comes into a church, a given church, and he needs help, he is in darkness, he is blind, a man, a woman, whoever, a person who is seeking, who is looking to be relieved from his sins or her sins, and we start giving him some other morsels of, uh, of um, food and start asking him questions and showing him uh, the things that we have in the church, introducing him to our achievements and forgetting about his needy soul that he needed to be saved. Ask yourself these questions. Let's ask ourselves our questions. When people come, when they're needy to us, what do we offer them? Jesus Christ says, this is no time for philosophical theories. This is no time for explanation. This is no time to embark who and what and when and whatever. No, this is the time to give him eyesight that he eagerly needs. This man needed eyesight. And no one is qualified to give him eyes except the one who said, I am the light of the world. He is the creator. He looked at him. And do you know that in this miracle that Jesus performed, this was the first miracle in the Bible when a man came, a blind from birth, that was given eyesight. He didn't have eyesight before, he lost it, and it was reinstated to him. No, this was born, most probably had two holes in his face, and that's it. But the creator who created us from what? Dirt, right? He spit on the dirt, and he blew in us, and here's a man. This is the creator himself, comes in, and he says, go do this. He spit on the, on the ground. He made some clay. He says, I'm going to create eyes the way I created man. And put the clay on his eyes. He said, go. I want to ask everyone here this morning. When Jesus asked this man to go, what did this man do? He's never met Jesus before. What did he do? Thank you, you're listening. He went. If you are blind this morning... If you are stricken with sin this morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, and Jesus Christ is saying, go, or in this situation, come unto me, what's your reaction is going to be? Would you say, no, thank you? No, no, some other time? How many times we, we, we saw people saying, not now, later? If he says, come now, I believe you're going to tell me, I will come. I will come because I'm living in darkness and I need Jesus Christ as my Savior. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. We were all blind before. I was blind and Jesus gave me eyesight. I can't forget the night when I found Jesus Christ. When I looked through the windows of my parents and that, that morning, I saw the whole nature different in my eyesight. God changed my life and changed my heart. 
I came. What did I find? I came. I washed. And I found eyesight. He went. And he obeyed the Lord Jesus Christ. And he did what God asked him to do. And this is what we are asked to do today. If there is someone here who does not know the Lord Jesus Christ as his or her Savior, I beg of you, listen to the words of Jesus Christ. Go, come, and obey him, and you will have eyesight. Creating eyesight, no one can do that except the one who is a creator. He knows the human body. He knows the human fate. And I want to give you an example. I'm reading a book nowadays, Our God is Wonderful by William MacDonald. And when he reaches, and he describes every function of the body. But he, when he reaches the eyes, the eyes, he, he talks a little bit. I want to put this as a commercial for you to know what a great creator we have. He talks about the eyelids. Think about your eyelids. This man had no eyelids. Had nothing. Had two holes there. But he said, just, we can blink when we want. Don't try to exercise that now. (laughs) We can blink when we want. But most of our blinking is spontaneous. We do it 20,000 times a day. How many a day we blink? 20,000 times. If we had to initiate each blink, we would never get any work done. So God has devised this mechanism in our eyes to make sure that the surface of our eyes stay moist. And they are that moisturizers that moisten our eyes day and night, 20,000 times a day. This man had none of these. You don't know that. I didn't know that. I was reading this. I said, well, who can? Who can? This is why. Doctors gave up on him. It's impossible. He says, I'm going to create eyes. Go do what I tell you. And he came back, what? Seeing with eyelids to moisturize his new eyes. Did you ever think, why do we have eyelids? That's why we have them. He is the only one who is able to handle a calamity like this. And he did it because he has concern for the individual. He has concern for you and me. Whatever is your case. I pray the Lord will open your eyes today. So you can see what a great God we have. And what a, what a Savior. And he is. Now. Let's turn. We looked at the. Disciples. We looked at the neighbors. We looked at the Pharisees. We have the Lord Jesus Christ in the middle of the scene. Let's look at the man who was born blind. The cure was undeniable. Could anybody deny that he was cured? When he went, what do you think how he went? One of the neighbors says, hey, let me take you. He said, where is that, where is that pool? Let me take you. One or two people take, took him to the pool. And there, when he washed, He didn't have to use anyone to come back to his neighborhood. Can you believe when he came back to the neighborhood, how he came? Walking for the first time, enjoying the nature, beautiful things around him, around Jerusalem. 
He, he washed, came back, cure was undeniable. Nobody who knew him, whether disciples, neighbors, parents, priests, or anyone else, challenged his reality. All acknowledged, one, that he was born blind. Hmm? Two, that he was the blind beggar. And three, that he can actually see. Isn't that your condition and mine? Weren't we there? Weren't you there once? In the total darkness? And people offering you things that never affected you, that never changed your life? How many times people offered me things that could never, could never do anything to me until I met Jesus Christ face to face. And he said, come unto me. And I knelt at his feet and accepted him as Savior. That's what we did. That's what most of us did. And if you haven't this morning, I invite you to do that. Nothing could have opened the man's eyes. Pity? Would pity could have opened his eyes? Tell me. Oh, poor guy. Oh, poor guy. Did he, did he need to hear this? No. Okay. Debate. The debate of the disciples. Would, would have op- this opened his eyes? Okay. Would observing the, the Sabbath open his eyes? He was observing the Sabbath and did do nothing for him. So Pharisees, wake up. Did studying, studying the Ten Commandments and knowing them by heart could have done anything to him? Did having catechism all over you do anything to you? Would confession every week to the priest do any open your eyes? If they came and dressed him with new clothes, would that change the situation with his eyes? Think of that. Educating him, getting him to therapy, training him, enrolling him in a yoga class. Could that give some good eyesight for him? You know, you know, God, you need some sports. I need eyesight. I can't do a sport. I can't walk. You need a support group. The support group are going to bring him depression more than anything in the world. There is only one support group, I believe in it, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the support group. Join it and enjoy it. And God will give you that support. The joining a church. There, if you tell him, okay, you have to go join the synagogue. Joining the synagogue. Would that have, have opened his eyesight? Eyes? Give him eyesight? No. No, nothing could give him eyesight. Except the one who created the eyes can order new set of eyes for him. Have you been to Jesus? The majority of us here are Christian today. Have you been to Jesus? Did he open your eyes? And if he did open your eyes and gave you eyesight, glorify him with your eyesight. Glorify him with your life. Do what this man did. I'm coming to. And they took him and said, we need to talk to you. There was a sensation in the people. There was a sensation. This never happened before. A man born blind can see now. The neighbors and acquaintances knew very well the man. 
To see him walking with normal sight was so incredible that they thought it was someone else. He quickly settled the dispute. Let's look at the Bible verses 8 to 12. The neighbors, therefore, and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, Is not this one who used to sit and beg? Others were saying, This is he. Still others were saying, No, but he's look, he looks like him. You know? Even though he looked like him, I don't know how tall he was, how heavy or skinny or whatever, but the walk, they've never seen him walking like this, so they doubted. He kept saying, folks, I am the one. I am the one. Let me ask you, before I continue, when Jesus saved you, did you make it known to the world that you are the one who got saved? There are, you know what? What, what bugs me nowadays is there are closet Christians. Have you met some of them? I have at work when I used to work. I have met so many that I discovered they were Christians after two, three years. I discovered someone who was Christian when, when he asked me, uh, Adol, good night. I'm going to go early. I said, may the Lord bless you. He said, see you tomorrow. I said, the Lord willing. He looked at me. He said, are you a Christian? I said, yes. You will know them by their what? By their dialogue. Are you still that Christian in the closet? You don't want anyone to know this is not politically correct? Uh He was telling them, I am he. Get out of the closet. And step out. And tell the world what Jesus has done in your life. That's what he did. I am the one, therefore they were saying to him, how then were your eyes opened? Is that an opportunity? Tell us, how were, uh, is that an opportunity? When you open the door a little bit, God is going to give you an opportunity. Yes, yes, I can tell you, the man who is called Jesus, never met him before, made clay, anointed my eyes, and told me, go to Selwam and wash. So I went away and washed, and I received sight. And they said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. I do not know. Number two. They were doubting some of them. And some of them they were saying, is he? Two. They brought him to the religious authorities. The Pharisees, who supposedly would be able to offer an explanation. The Pharisees were members. These are the members of the Sanhedrin. They have to have the answer. They know their Bibles. They follow the Ten Commandments. But it was what? On a Sabbath day. That was a stumbling block for them. The same question was asked. Did you receive your eyesight? He said in verse 16, the same thing. Praise God for the testimony. This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. They told him. But others were saying... How can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And there was a division amongst them. Oh, well. The Lord divided them completely. Some say true. Some say this is the power of God. Some say this man is a sinner. He cannot. But let's look what the man said. They asked him then, What do you, the man who was, Given eyesight. What do you say about him since he opened your eyes? Let me say one thing here. 
if he really, if you were living in darkness, if you were living in total sinful life, with no hope, with no help, and you were struggling with your life, and then Jesus Christ came and rescued you and give, gave you a wonderful life. You have joy. You have peace. You have eternal life. And you're living anew. What would you say? Before I tell you what he said, what would you say? You open your mouth and tell them, right? Are we doing that? Church, are we doing that? Or you say, well, you know, I joined a church lately. What does that, this do to the people, to the hearers? Joining a church will not get them the gospel at all. What gets the gospel to the world is how to tell them what the, the gospel of Jesus Christ did in your life. What Jesus did. You know what he said? What do you say? And he said, he is a prophet. Who? How did you know? Suddenly he went to a theology school. Suddenly he's arguing, he's a prophet. And <laughs> they did not like that. He said, well, let's, let, let, before we come to a conclusion, we have to go to his father and mother. Seems he was a young guy. Ah, they went to his parents. Verse 18. They did not believe him. So, they went to his parents and questioned them, saying, verse 19, Is he your son? Who you say was born blind? Then, how does he now see his parents? Answered them and said, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. Ask him, he is of age, he shall speak to himself. They were afraid. huh? He did not get the support from his family. They were afraid of the Pharisees. They might be excommunicated and thrown out of the temple. And they will not be part of the church, if you will please, of the church they belong to. Because they did not take a stand. They were intimidated by those Jews. And said, what do we do? They sought the man. And they went to him. I said, we are not getting answered. Give glory to God. He said, I will give glory to God. He's therefore opened his mouth in verse mouth 25. He says, whether he is a sinner, listen to this. I do not know. One thing I do know, that I was blind, but now I can see. What boldness? Who taught him? Let me ask you a question. Who taught him? I can answer this to you, and you look deep inside, inside your life and your heart. When the Holy Spirit enters your life, he will teach you what to say. He was born again. The Lord opened his physical eyes and his spiritual eyes together. That's what, when God, what God came to do. To open your eyes spiritually and physically so you can see marvels of him. He, no one taught him. He didn't have time to go and be taught by uh, a Christian person. He didn't have a chance to, to even breathe. They were bombarding him. They were dragging him from one place to another. But he says, one thing I know. Let me underline in your Bible, I know. Do you know that you are saved? 
Are you sure when you are facing the enemies of God that you can stand and say, I know I was blind, but now I can see. When you are with your friends, when you are at a restaurant, when you are at work, when you are at school, and when you're asked, what happened? Why? I see you a little bit different. A little bit because they don't know much. Tell them one thing. I know at one moment in my life I was blind, but now I can see. You have this courage. God is empowering you with the Holy Spirit. And if you cannot say it, if you cannot open your mouth, he says, well, I don't know. I guess I'm lucky today. This is my lucky day. It's not a lucky day. There is no lucky day in life for a Christian. There is the Holy Spirit. Even you give him, you are saved, and then you can say, I know that I am saved. Well, I'm working at it. There is no working at it. The thief on the cross did not have to work at it. The thief on the cross had to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. He said, today you shall be with me in paradise. It's not a matter of uh, progressive salvation. We taught that in this church and we will teach it. It's not progressive. It's something that happened instantaneously. It's something that happens immediately when you take Jesus Christ as your Savior. When he went to the pool and washed, did he come hazy eyes? Huh? Did they say, okay, take these drops and put them in your eye. In six months, come back, I will see you. No. He said, you, you need some laser treatment after that. This is not what God does. What God does, he does immediately in the heart. And he saves you and gives you eternal life. So, do you know or you don't know? This is the question. He said, I do know. You know why? Because he went. And obeyed. Now he knows. But if you want to sit down and question and debate. And say give me. I need to study the Bible more. Do you have another, uh, another commentary for me? Do you have some books that I can study? You, in vain. The books will give you. Will tire your eyes. You will have a good set of eyes. But the books will make them tired. So refrain from that. And let the Lord work in your heart. And invite him. To take charge of your lives. And then you can stand and say. I know I was blind once. But now I can see. Do you know? He said I know. And then he goes on. He goes on. When the Holy Spirit is in the heart. He goes on. He says. What did he do to you? And he answered them the same questions. And then he said. They reviled him. You are his disciple. But we are the disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he is from. The man answered, well, here's an amazing thing, that you do not know where he is from, and yet he opened my eyes. They got mad. We know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he hears him. He's preaching. He never studied. He was never educated. He's preaching to them. Since the beginning of time, it has never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing of this. They answered him, you were born entirely in sins, and you are teaching us, and they put him out. Who are you? Jesus finds him. They excommunicated him. But Jesus finds him. 
And he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He went down on his knees. He said, Who is he? So I may believe in him. And Jesus said, You have both seen him, and he's the one who's talking to you. He bowed his head, bowed his knees. Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. What a great ending. What a great, what a great life this man had afterwards. I can't imagine how he lived after that. He became probably the preacher of this whole region. And he watched the Lord Jesus Christ most probably go to the cross of Calvary where he paid for his sins afterwards. Have you been through this experience? I'm talking to each and every person in our church here today. Have you been through this experience? Are you at one point, have you been or are you or in your life that you are ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ? He opened your eyes. He changed your life. Can you say to the world, I know whom I have believed. I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him until that day. If you can, if you can leave this place here. In your heart, that peace that he gives. You are a blessed person. But if you reject the Savior today, you are not the only, only a blind man. If I may say that, and I say it lovingly, you're not only a blind man, but you are a lost man. This is terrible, isn't it? To be lost. If you reject the Christ of that cross, you are not only blind but also eternally lost. If you get up and walk today, out unsaved, you go out lost. And go down the street blind and lost. If you get into your car and drive off, you drive off a lost man or a lost woman. And if a crash comes and you are suddenly ushered into eternity, you go into eternity blind and lost forever. Don't leave this place. To the Christian I say, let's go out and tell the world. I know I was blind, but now I am. I can see. And to the non-Christian I ask you, don't leave this place blind and lost. Because you might go into eternity blind and lost. And you don't want that. Let's bow our heads for prayers. Our Father, we thank you for the opportunity of meditating on your word. And we pray that this word will not go in vain. But it will, it will do its work in the hearts of the people, in mine and everyone else. Help us not to leave this place and saying, tomorrow I will accept you as Savior. Or tomorrow I will witness. Today is the day of salvation. Today you're calling. Help us to say yes. I will do whatever you say Lord. Be with each and every one. Bless each and every heart.
Help us to take stand for you and to lead people to the knowledge of him who loved us so much and died on the cross for our sins. Dismiss us, we pray, with your blessing. In Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen. The meeting is over. If anyone would like to talk to me about what you heard this morning, I'll be more than happy to stay behind and talk to you. And God bless you and be with you.